You know, when I was young, I was born in 54, there were no seatbelts in our cars. Many of you remember those days. My brother and I generally sat in the back seat. Sometimes we'd lay on that rear deck, you know, right behind the seat. We'd wave at the other cars behind us, look out the window. We had a station wagon at one point. Of course, we were all the way in the back, kind of laid out there. Just, we sat wherever we wanted to. Somewhere along the way, though, seatbelts were introduced. The law changed. You must wear your seatbelt, we were told. And my brother and I were not happy with that. I mean, we'd never done it that way before. Now, the reasons for wearing a seatbelt were pretty straightforward. If there was a wreck or there was that violent engagement of the brakes, the seatbelt was important because it would hold you in place, keep you from being hurled about inside the car. It was to protect us. Now, it made sense. And my parents did not want us to be hurt. But did I tell you my brother and I did not like it? Our habit was to sit in the back seat unencumbered, free to sit wherever we wanted to. Of course, we had our lines, and you stay on your side and I stay on mine. But other than that, we were pretty much on our own. People are like that sometimes. We get used to believing or behaving one way or the other. And then comes a change. And that change may not be easy. It may not be welcome. But change does come. For instance, sometimes we hear about a person's life before they become a Christian. There's a variety of ways that sometimes they're described. Hedonistic, self-serving, indulgent, not nice. But then comes that change when a person genuinely gives their heart to Jesus. It means that there are things that you are to stop doing, things that you're to let go of, things that are destructive and hurtful and damaging. At the same time, there are things that you're led to start doing, things that are ethical, healing, and loving. There are old behaviors that we are to give up and new behaviors that we are to take up. That doesn't always come easily, though. That's part of the struggle that comes with following Jesus. I think that's exactly why Scripture is so redundant in reminding us what to do. It says some really important things over and over again. We need those reminders. My parents always said, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, until it became the norm for us. For instance, Jesus told his followers that there is a command that goes with following him. He said it, but it is in Scripture over and over and over again. We read about this in John 13. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, and so you must love one another in that way. Or as Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, The implication of that, he says, is that people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving one another may not strike you as being a problem, but it is often a challenge for folks. Let me prove it to you. Turn on the news this afternoon and tell me, does it seem like we're taking the command of Jesus to heart? Look carefully. Because this is not a suggestion. It's not just an idea. It's given as a command by the Lord. 
Why would Jesus have to give it as a command? Well, Scripture makes it clear. Again, I said it comes over and over and over again. For instance, in John 1, or the first book of John, the fourth chapter, we read that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So let me ask, did you hear that? Loving one another is evidence that God is living in us, and others can see it. Or how about 1 John 3, beginning in the 10th verse? This is how we know who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So this is the message you heard from the beginning, and it gets down to the succinct statement. We should love one another. Do you belong to the light, or do you belong to the darkness? Loving one another reveals something very important. It reveals who we follow and who and what motivates us. And so, this is a God-commanded love, and it is very, very powerful. It is life-changing. It is world-changing. One of my favorite pastors was Juan Carlos Ortiz. He was leading a church in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I heard him speak at a conference years ago, and immediately I knew he had something powerful to say. I'll never forget his story. Pastor Ortiz told about being at one point where he realized his church there in Buenos Aires was a church that was educated beyond their experience. That is, they knew a lot more than they were putting into practice when it came to being followers of Jesus. He said many of them were hearing two or three sermons a week, going to home Bible study. But he said before they had time to digest and apply one message, they were getting another message. So it's just this rapid pipeline of things that weren't necessarily taking root, but were rapidly moving through their lives. He decided, as their pastor, that it was time for a change. He said they were learning a lot, but there was little evidence of change. That can happen, you know. So he began to think, maybe my congregation is like a baby. You know how babies are. They wake up. They cry because they're hungry. Of course, a loving parent will feed them, burp them, and then put them back down for a nap. What if that was his congregation, he began to think? What if I preach the word of God, the congregation feeds hungrily on that word, and then they go back to sleep? Nothing really changes. That began to really bother him. And I think... For any pastor with any sense of love for their congregation, you come to that point. So he said this, what am I going to preach? What am I going to do? And he stood up one Sunday. He opened his Bible as he always did. It looked ordinary, looked the same. And he read these words, love one another. And then he sat out. I mean, this was the sermon time. He simply said, love one another, and then sat down. Everybody kind of giggled, looked around. At some point, they got his attention, so he got up again, and he said again, love one another, and sat right back down. Now the congregation is getting nervous. 
because this is not what normally happens. They began to stir. When is the pastor going to preach, some people were saying. Some people had traveled miles to hear this pastor, and that's it. So he got up a third time, and he said, Brothers and sisters, love one another. And then he sat down. There was a guy sitting on the front row. He turned to his neighbor and he said, I think the pastor wants us to love one another. But then he asked, is there anything I can do for you? The fellow said, well, um, I'm having a real tough time. He described the stress that he was under, the financial difficulty he was going through. So the man sitting next to him opened up his wallet and he said, Here, let me help you. It did not take long that this ripple became a wave that shot through the congregation because you could see people talking and laughing and praying and crying, giving, helping one another. They were loving one another. It was incredible. And so for the next six months, listen to this, for the next six months, Pastor Ortiz preached on one theme, love one another. Now, sometimes the messages were biblical teaching on how to love, but other times it was just practicing loving one another. For six months, what would you do if I did that? You might want to see if Pastor David's okay. But Pastor Ortiz actually did that. Love one another until they not only knew it, but they were doing it. Isn't that the point? So what do you think? Is it better to practice one verse of the Bible or to know a lot of verses in the Bible? Is it better to know about it or to do it? And that may be the difference that changes who we are. I knew I had a seatbelt I had to put on. But the real value of the seatbelt was actually connecting it. And love, far, 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 infinitely more important. Love is the most important thing. It is the main thing. So if you're going to pick one thing to do, here it is. Love. Jesus was asked what is the most important and the greatest of all the commandments. And he said immediately, love the Lord your God with all you've got, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Love. Love God with all you've got and love people. So what does that look like? We talk about it, but what does it look like? Did I tell you that there are those reminders in Scripture? For instance, we are to love our neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Anyone who is near or anyone who is in need. We are to love our enemies. Because the greatest and easiest way to destroy my enemy is to love them and make them my friend. We are to love our families. Now, I've learned over the years that you love your family best when you love Jesus first. And we are to love one another. I've seen churches where people don't necessarily do that. I mean, they worship together, 
They sing those songs together. They read scripture together, but they don't like each other. Certainly are not willing to love each other. But the command is clear. Love one another. It's addressed directly to the followers of Jesus. Christians are to love one another. Now, this does not mean that we don't love people who are not Christians. On the contrary, we are to love everyone always. We are to love our neighbors regardless of their race, their religion, their age, their political political affiliation, and even whether or not they like Justin Bieber or Aaron Rodgers. Love everyone always. We all need to be loved. I do. You do. And if we sincerely follow Jesus' command, then we are ready to listen, to hear someone's story, to be a friend, to include, to cry with one another, to rejoice with each other, to create community, to help. All of this is being a part of loving one another. Tertullian was a church leader in Carthage, Africa, around the end of the second century. So we're talking about way back. But here's what he wrote. It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness, that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Only look, they say, look how they love one another. Those early Christians changed the world because you could see it. You could see who they were, what they were following, what was their core. You know what I pray for this church? That that would be said of us. Look how they love one another. Um, I don't think it's unimportant, but really, I'm not looking to be known as a big church. Or the church with an amazing mission ministry. That is important, but that's not primary. Church with great music, good preaching, those are all important things. But what's more important is to be known as a church that loves one another. So in 1 John chapter 4, we read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved that we love God, but that he loved us. There's the prime. God, as I said last week, extended that love to us first. That is grace. And then he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I've told you that scripture is replete with reminders that come again and again and again And this is one of the great themes of Scripture, love one another. And it's not complicated. It does not need to be hard. When we do it as God calls us to do it, we find it natural and authentic. One of my favorite stories of this is that even a child can understand this, Leo Biscaglia once talked about a contest that he was asked to judge. The purpose of the contest was to find the most caring child. It's an interesting idea. Who's the most caring child among us? The winner, as it turned out, was a four-year-old. 
whose next-door neighbor, an elderly gentleman who had just lost his wife, and he was devastated. He was heartbroken. The love of his life for many years had died. His mother said that when her son, this four-year-old, saw the neighbor sitting in the yard crying, that little boy went over, climbed up into his lap, and sat there. So his mother asked him, what did you tell him? And this little boy, a four-year-old, said, nothing. I just helped him cry. What does it mean to love one another? Sometimes we just cry with each other or laugh or hold each other or help each other. St. Jerome said of the aging apostle John that when John was walking among the churches as one of those aging disciples, he kept repeating the same phrase over and over and over again. Little children love one another. Little children love one another. So somebody asked him the reason that he kept repeating this over and over. And he said, it is the Lord's commandment. And if it only be fulfilled, if we only do that, it is enough. You know, he was right. And that is still true today. So two weeks ago, we began this series talking about a firm foundation, about understanding the essentials of faith. What are those essentials? How do we build that firm foundation? We begin with God. We put God first. And then we add that other important pillar that holds us up of God's grace because it is of first importance It is evidence of God's radical love for us, and we are to love one another. So in the weeks to come, we're going to be adding more of those strong essentials to build that firm foundation. But today, I have a challenge for you. It begins today. I want you to do this all week long. I want you to do one thing each day this week. Now, you'll have a lot to do, but don't forget this. This is important. You will remember this. You don't even have to write it down, but... Do it. Don't just think about it, because if you don't, I might just get up and preach about this for six months. It is that important. Each day this week, find one person, a different person each day, and do something that is very intentional that shows your love for them. Love another person, as Jesus commanded us. So I said, choose a different person each day. Be very intentional and thoughtful about it, but let it be an expression of your love. Because when you do, it is evidence that God is alive in you. And remarkably, others will see God through you. Let us pray. A simple command, but a powerful command. A life-changing directive. Love one another. Help us, Lord, to be like that child who, when he saw a need, knew where to go and what to do. And that was just to love. Help us to love as you have loved us. Amen.
you have a reputation. There is something that you are known for. It is that dominance of your life. Pastor Andy and I were talking yesterday morning about somebody we knew that was difficult to approach every time we were in that person's presence. We felt tension. We didn't feel welcome. We didn't feel love. We just felt tension. And like that person, each of us creates an impression. What if that impression was that you could sense God alive in that person? That God's love was revealed in what they were saying and doing. And that is exactly what Jesus has called us to be and to do. And simply put, it begins with loving one another. So take this week and practice. Be intentional. Choose somebody different every day. But love them as Jesus loves us. As you go in peace and go in love. Amen.